Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. You know, easily the most enjoyable hobby that I can imagine, the most enjoyable hobby there is, is the one that I've had for more than 50 years, and that's researching death than the afterlife. And now I can hear you groaning, but not so fast. There is a ton of evidence of what happens after death. It's everywhere, and it's all consistent, and it all fits together perfectly. It's a gigantic puzzle. And when you put it all together, a picture emerges It is so beautiful. It's so amazing. It's so beyond spectacular that the mind can hardly encompass it. It's like a gigantic treasure hunt on steroids. And there's there's always ever more to learn in this field. Even after 50 years, the picture is pretty complete by now for me, but we're still picking up another wrinkle or two. It's just enough to keep us interested. And another lovely thing about doing afterlife research is that I have made so many friends along the way. Our guest today is another of those friends, Trisha Trisha J. Robertson. I always have to remember the J. Trisha J. Robertson, all the way from the United Kingdom, is with us for the fourth time. Trisha is a former teacher of mathematics and physics, and she also has been a lecturer in psychical research at the University of Glasgow in Scotland. So unlike me, she's a serious scholar. Our friend Trisha is has more than 30 years of experience in investigating many avenues of what really should no longer be called the paranormal. I've never called it that, but many people do call it that. But everything we talk about on Seek Reality is normal. It's just that modern science refuses to study it, and so they derisively call it paranormal. But that's soon going to change because we're going to force them to look at it more seriously. And meanwhile, Trisha Robertson has written three very entertaining books. You know, I called my first book on this topic, The Fun of Dying. She called her first book, Things You Could Do When You're Dead, which I think is every bit as great as my title. The second book was called More Things You Can Do When You're Dead. What Can You Truly Believe? Her third book was called It's Life and Death, But Not As You Know It. From the unbelievable to the bizarre, needless to say, after Trisha's career spent in scholarly study in this field, her attitude toward the preposterous notion that we ever really die is every bit as cheeky as mine is. Trisha, welcome. I'm so happy to have you back with us again. It's lovely to be back, Roberta, with your cheery self. <laughs> and I love your... I. Although I, the first mistake I made was to say, oh, I love hearing your British accent. She set me straight. That is not a British accent. Anyone who thought it was, it's a Scottish accent. And not only that, it's an upper crust Scottish accent. Explain that, please, Tricia. Well, I can't really explain it. It's like every every country will and every place will have its different areas within a city or town. And uh, there are many different accents in Scotland, actually. If you go to the north of Scotland, even I don't understand it. <laughs> 
Well, that's true. And in the United States, we have all kinds of accents. When I was a child, I'm actually from Massachusetts, believe it or not. And my mother was so concerned that we were going to end up sounding like Boston because we grew up just outside of Boston, that when we were children, my sister and I, tiny children, she drilled us in not sounding like Boston. And when I actually was in school, some of my my schoolmates' parents thought that I was British because I sounded so unlike everybody else in my school. Isn't that funny? But it's I true. Um, I know. The regional accents in the United States, too, are so, so different from from place to place. I do not sound like where I grew up. That is so hysterical. I mean, we could probably do a whole secret reality program just on regional accents, which are pretty much past now, I think, in the United States, at least, because of, of TV and, and radio. Wow. Let's not talk about that. But but that you you really as long as we as long as we can understand each other, that's the main thing. That's the main thing. But we all speak the same language in this field at least. We all talk common sense. Which like to think so, yes. Which which is what this real field really is, actually. We all talk the same language here. When when we were talking about Tricia and I what to talk about today, she told me, and I think she's not as emphatic as she sounded before, that she was not going to write any more books. And I guess I'm not there yet. I think I have a book or two more in me. And we have one more that, that is just out, which is, of course, the fun of loving Jesus. But um she said, I, I said, all right, well, what are we going to talk about if you've got no more books? And she sent me six books. I think really good questions. So we're going to talk about those questions today and see where they take us. And uh, the first one was, what are what what have you come to understand, Tricia, about consciousness? Well, consciousness is, of course, the buzzword now, rather than many many. I, I don't like the word spiritualist, but many people of a spiritualistic, metaphysical sort of side talk about soul or spirit, which immediately puts off any scientist. To be honest with you, but if right. we speak about consciousness, which is, is we are consciousness. You and I would not be speaking if we weren't conscious, and consciousness operates on many different frequencies. As you, as you know, hopefully at the moment you and I are both operating on a beta wave of consciousness as a certain frequency. But there are so many levels of consciousness that we actually know. But I believe, and this is a belief, that there are so many levels of consciousness that we do not know. And people, we cannot achieve this. We can see this from people who have real near-death experiences and go through all the wonderful things that we know about near-death experience, which have a, a commonality. There's, they're not always a tunnel, but there's a place they go through light and they meet someone they don't know usually, first of all, who tells them to come back because if, if they don't come back, then we wouldn't know about it. And they describe all the wonderful things that are completely different to and the feeling and the love that they feel there when they come back to Earth. The one thing I definitely know about consciousness is it survives physical death. Consciousness is what we are in a physical body, and that is wonderful. And it, it, it's shown many, many ways. You, you said it all in your introduction. 
There are so many ways to look at life after death uh, from so many different angles. It's not one thing. It's not mediumship. And mediumship is probably one of the worst ways to look at consciousness because they're very dependent on the individual medium. And in there lies the problem because not every medium is of the same standard. Most are at best very mediocre. Some are downright awful. And then you get the people who are absolutely fantastic. We won't be naming any names because it's not fair to do that. But the best of the mediums do a wonderful job in exhibiting the fact that the consciousness of person who has passed over is well strong. They've still got their own mannerisms, their personality, they're fun. They come through and they can describe things that have happened after they've died. They know what's going on on, on, we'll call it the earth plane. I don't like that, but we'll call it that. They know what you're doing. They're happy to see you happy. They do not want to see you sad, but consciousness definitely survives. No one can describe it. No one ever will. If anyone tells you they know what it is, they don't. But this thing that we are, that we'll say the word consciousness because we know it works on frequencies, definitely survives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that, that uh, the, the strange thing, and I've been blogging about consciousness um, and, and really studying it late, of, of late because scientists refuse to study consciousness. It, it's, it's, they're, they're afraid of it um, because they're afraid that really what Max Planck found was God. Um, and, and I think he actually did find God. And and that's that creeps them out because the thing is they, the thing, yeah the thing is they don't know what con- nobody knows what consciousness is not really we know it's something and we know it's what we <laughs> yes. are but we the, I, I mean I've spoken to neuroscientists neurosurgeons all of these people and they have to admit they do not know what consciousness is no. we don't we all we can say we really don't know what it is. But while we're here on Earth, we know it operates in certain frequencies. That is really all we can say. And the the more you go on, there's no point in, in actually going on about it. I mean, people that take these drugs to make themselves a different consciousness, that's fine. But once again, we, the basic reality is we come down to seek reality. We don't know what it is. No one on Earth can tell you that. So there's a wonderful, there's a wonderful, well, it's a group of souls that manifest as silver birch. I don't know if you've heard of silver birch. Silver birch, silver birch teachings are fantastic. First time I ever read them, it made perfect sense to me in a way that I didn't actually understand, but it made sense. So the silver birch is a group of, a group of consciousness, higher consciousness. And they said, if we explained it to you, you would not understand. And that is, that is where we are now. But what you and I can do is my raison d'etre for doing this in the first place was to let people know and people in the street that death is not the end. And there is evidence to show that your loved ones continue. That's where I started. And that's what I do. I look at evidence for things. We cannot provide evidence of what consciousness is, but we can provide evidence that shows it continues. Yes. But my dear, do you know that in the United States, there actually, someone uh, gave a billion dollar, B billion dollar. Yes. Yes. That was very good. Well, no, there, there's a billion dollar grant being given 
to to scientists to seek a source of consciousness inside the human brain. Well, that's never going to work, is it? (laughs) But can can you people? I mean, if if you give scientists a a billion dollars to study anything, they're going to do it. They are actually looking for a source of consciousness inside the human brain. That's you and I thought you were talking about the billion dollar Bial Foundation. Jeffrey Jeffrey Mishlove was offering money for people who could show survival through essays and things. And that was very good. But I mean, but but yes, but of course, but 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 this is absolutely ridiculous. But it's being done now. They're 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 looking. I guess I don't even know that they know what they're looking for. But they sure are spending the money somehow to educate their children and you know take their vacations they'll 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 take some money but there's there's nothing that they can do it's it's like it's like looking in a pail of of tadpoles and trying to find sharks it's never going to happen you can do on on the plus side for something you said in your fantastic introduction there are parapsychologists at Nottingham University, at whom I actually know most of them. Now, Professor Chris Rowe is now the head of this parapsychology, parapsychology department. And years ago, I mean, I knew Chris when he was about 20, and now he's the head of department. And he was very sceptical at the beginning. I know he said he wasn't, but he was. But now they're actually doing very good work with the Spiritualist Association and they're doing experiments. And what they're measuring is the, the brain waves of mediums as they're working. They've got all this fantastic equipment and they can put the headsets on. And that will tell them so much. Uh, that there are changes in the brain yeah, yeah. how mediums are working. It's not the answer, but they are, these people are, Chris and Cal and, and David, they're looking at it in a much more realistic and pragmatic fashion as we do. And I know them all very well, um, and uh, they are very good. In actual fact, it's quite good because Chris Rowe, if he's giving a talk, he always mentions the work done by myself and Archie. Now, that's not meant to be a big-headed statement. It's just that they are listening. They can't. They can't. No, no, that uh, makes sense. That does it, make sense. They're listening. There are things that they're doing that make sense, but some things make no sense at all. Well, that's a stupid. Who is who's offering the billion pound? It's, it's not I, James. I don't Rand. know where it came from. I just know the research is being done, and it's being done uh, based on a, a billion dollar grant. I think whoever gave it was is is embarrassed now about the whole process. That's and absolutely make, ridiculous. Yes, <laughs> but scientists are desperate at this point because they have been going down the materialist road. Uh, for now, around century, a literal century, they've been going more, in the wrong direction. More, most of them, but not all. I mean, we have the beginning of the Society for Psychical Research in in London, and they were well. Some, most, of, a lot of them were scientists, scholars, all that sort of thing. And it, the, they've been doing quite well. You know, they they are actually looking at the evidence, and in most cases, finding there is a case to answer. They certainly do it in a very um, upper class fashion, and it puts people off to be perfectly uh, honest about it. Whereas you and I do it in a matter of fact. Common sense is my common sense, and evidence are my re- raison d'être, really. And we really? have to look Me at too. what what actually happens. This happened. These, this is the evidence for it. 
It's up to you what you make of it. And but but don't just say it doesn't happen because you haven't researched it yourself. We're all skeptics. Everybody I know in this field is a, is an extreme skeptic. Um, and you have to be because otherwise you'd you know you it's, it's not research at all. Um, Absolutely, I, I but, know. And I'm a, in quite a lot of these. I, I get invited to a lot of these sort of different podcasts and that there are a lot of people in the world now and that are actually realizing the truth of all of this and I'm quite heartened by some of the the, the replies that people put on. I think more and more people throughout the world are realizing that they've been sold a, a puppy so far as far as what they're told and I think more and more people are realizing it. Um, definitely, That's definitely the case which is very very good but, and there are scientists which have who have changed their minds in the in I think it's in my third book I can't remember the details now where scientists have had to they've had to accept what happened but even Charles Richet who was a Nobel Prize winner I met all these years ago he investigated various mediums and he said and this is a problem if I had not seen these things for myself I would still not believe it but I have no other choice now but to realize these things happened. And that's that they don't want to realize they happen because it upsets their model of the world. In fact, when you, re- I mean, money and materialism doesn't work. And the only things that really matter are love and, and energy, the word that most people hate. The loving energy is really what keeps us going. And if every country realized that, then there should not be wars and people being money grabbing throughout the world. Well, I, I think that's why it's so important that we break through the materialist model, because once we do, and once people, most people in the world understand that their their lives are eternal, um, we 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 break through the the uh, sort of life sucks, then you die. So I'm going to get mine attitude yeah. that now prevails in yeah. the world. Yes, yes. But I, I tell you, since, since COVID. There's been an awful lot of kind people, kindly acts done throughout the world as well. I, I, I can only speak basically, obviously, for the British Isles, but there's so many people helping other people, charities, people going out of their way, because COVID let people know what it was like to be alone. And we really, nobody likes to be alone. And uh, no. Uh, there's I don't think there's as many, well, apart from politicians, of course, I don't think there's as many greedy people as there were before. I think we're all realizing, well, we've always tried to help each other anyway. But, um, uh, but as I say, so that is the reality of it. But, uh, the, but also the other thing is the more and more I go on at these things, the less I really know, to be honest with you. I mean, all <laughs> I can say, all I can say for sure is, Consciousness, whatever they call it, don't, I haven't a clue where it lies, but it definitely does not lie in the body. Uh, that, that's a certainty. So I've learned that. That's, no, that's clear, right? 100%, 100% I've learned that. I've also learned that no matter what we think we know here, I don't think we understand even 10% of what goes on when you get over to the other side. I really don't. Because there's so many things, even with the bizarre things in my third book, you know, physical things, bizarre things, you think, well, how can that happen? How can a higher consciousness actually make that happen? We don't know. Well, I don't know anyway. Maybe you do. 
Well, no, I, I mean, I don't profess, there's a lot that I pro- don't profess to know, but um, I do begin to see how things fit together that I never before saw uh, fit together. The more that, well, the more research yeah. I do, the more I begin to uh-huh. see the connections. Well, give me, give me an example of that, Roberta. Well, well, I, I, it's, I, I, one of your questions was examining these matters through a religious context. And I'm, I'm not sure what, what you meant by that, but um, I've come to, to, to uh, understand, for example, that we, we, this, and this doesn't have to do with religion, but it more has to do with the teachings of Jesus. Um, Christianity ignores the teachings of Jesus almost entirely, but I came to discover quite inadvertently that if you if you try to follow the teachings of Jesus, they are the quickest and easiest way to raise your um, consciousness vibration, which is really the reason we come to Earth is to raise our consciousness vibration. That's right. Yeah. But the, the problem is I, I would not encapsulate it in one religion. If you actually go to the roots of every religion. That, that may be the case. They but, all basically but, say the same thing. Love your neighbor. Do unto others as you would do. That sort of thing. But as you say, but then when mankind gets hold of these prophets, we'll call them, you know, the ones who came, Elijah, all of that. There's, there's some people think that Jesus was Elijah, you know, in a different in a different lifetime, these these prophets definitely come from a higher consciousness, the correct ones, and they all really say the same thing. Which, of course, as you said correctly, once mankind gets hold of it, they change it to suit themselves. So it gives them power and telling people what to do. And I don't know what we can do about that. But I I don't look at it as a religion. This is I'm saying something quite literal and mechanical. This is it. This is a it's it's a matter of physics, consciousness physics, the teachings of Jesus as they are set forth in the Gospels, literally, are, it's a mechanical process. I don't know. I haven't tried the, the same. I haven't looked at other teachings of any, and it may be, maybe something you can do with other religions. I don't know. But that to me is a connection, which it never occurred to me you could make. And I, I, to me, that that's astonishing. It's it's a it's just a connection which I, I just, I mean, th- these things are connected in ways which, to which are, are are to me that to me that was a revelation. It's it's I'm doing a whole website about it. I, 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 I hear I hear what you're saying, but if you take good, we'll call them good men, good good. I I look I look at the spirit world. In the color gold, we'll call the spirit world is gold and it's full of love. And each one of these prophets, good people that were sent by a higher energy, we'll say Jesus, Buddha, originally Muhammad, and all the good ones throughout the world that come to teach peace and love to everyone, which nobody listens to. Through any of these, you can channel your mind through that image of that person to the higher light, to the gold light, to the gold light of love. That's not a problem. I've got not got any problem with that at all. And I think that's one way of trying to raise your own consciousness. Yes, I've no problem with that at all. Uh, but, but it doesn't necessarily need to be done through a religious process 
to understand the spirit world. But it isn't a religious process is the whole point. The religion has absolutely nothing to do with it. The religion actually is counterproductive because the religion is fear-based and fear is the opposite of love. Right. So you have to throw away the religion altogether and simply follow the teachings. Okay. The, 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 the religion actually gets in the way. I mean, the, the, some of these things, I, I, it's frustrating sometimes because mankind gets in the way. Mankind establishes the religion for mankind's own purposes. And that's, to me, a problem. I lost you there. I'm sorry. I lost you for a moment there. Your voice disappeared. Oh, okay. Well, I'm here I'm back again. But anyway, yeah. um, let, let's let's talk about what, when, one thing that you wanted to talk about was um, what what the and I, I love your term. Do we have to argue with the rancid skeptics? Rancid skeptics. I love that. Who think it is all hogwash? Well, how do you argue a- with them? No, you don't. Uh, uh, Professor Roy taught me that one. He said, more or less, I wouldn't bother with them. You're only wasting your breath. You're wasting energy. You're wasting time because they've got their, their mind is set. And no matter what you tell them, they will not listen. They will not be logical. So the answer to my own question is you don't bother trying to argue with them. At the moment, I just say to people, well, if you really want evidence, go and read my first book. <laughs> It's the easy way out. I'm not not starting over reinventing the wheel just for you, you know. I I, I thought your first book was excellent. Very it was very basic and and lighthearted. And I, I I thought I mean the 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 title the title sort of you know um, things you can do when you're dead. Well, yes. it, it's re- it's really it's really an introduction for people who don't really know much. It's not a book yeah. for. It, it's never. It was never meant to be a book for scholars. When once you get into scholarly b- books, their the terminology loses people, and not, nobody knows what the devil they're talking about. If you keep it simple, give an example that everyone can relate to, all all forms, all colours, all creeds, all the rest of it, then that's that's the way to go, and that's why I started to do that. But don't bother arguing with the rancid skeptic because you're wasting your energy, your breath, and it's not going to make one whit of difference to them. They know better than you, and that's fine. Let them think that. They're they're not really skeptics. Well, they're not. No, they're not. It's a fear-based thing. They have invested so much of themselves in the notion that there is no afterlife. So you're threatening their worldview. When right. you come along and say there Abs- is an abs- afterlife, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would not have thought it was nearly forty years now, uh, nearly forty years ago that I would be even talking about these things. Did I ever tell? Well, you if, in the, you might remember in my first book, I only started to look at this out of an intellectual curiosity, and right. um, I went along to a, a, we call it the big church in in Glasgow. And I listened to people getting messages, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, well, that's quite interesting. And people seem to have good reactions to it. And I thought, well, do you know, and then later on, I would stop people going out and I would ask them about the message they got. And I began to become really interested in it. Then I would go along and I would write notes about things that people had said and done. And that's really that's really where it all started. And then I thought I better go along and have one of these private 
readings. But I mean, the good thing about me is I had no sadness in my life at that time. I had no reason other than an intellectual one. I wasn't looking to, to show that there was. I just wondered if there was any evidence. And I went along my very first reading to a lady whom um, at that time, of course, seemed very old to me. She was probably not even 70, but she was quite an elderly lady of that time. <laughs> Everybody's elderly when you're young. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But she was, she, you know, the kind of lady I was saying in America, she was homespun. She was no glamour, just a nice kind of lady with a nice face of the old style. Oh, and, yes. and she was yes. sitting at one side of a room. The door was between us and I was at the other side. And as soon as I walked in the room, now I knew nothing about it, just curious. And I walked in the room and she looked at me and she smiled and she said, you've never had a reading before, have you? And I said, no. So she said, sometimes that can be difficult. We'll see. So I sat down and she started to give me, she started to give me a message. I think it was from my father. My father died when I was quite young and I was just listening to this and she stopped dead in her message and she looked at me. She turned her head with a quizzical look and she looked at me and she said, do you know, my dear, one of these days in the future, you're going to be standing in front of thousands of people talking about this truth. And boy, when you speak, will they listen? And of course, I, I'm just looking at her. I don't think I thought anything. I just listened to her. And it was only that was about 1983. And it was only in 2001 when I was standing in Glasgow City Halls looking at 3,000 people. And it was the weirdest thing. It was the weirdest wow. thing. I was dressed in a nice dress. I was introducing different mediums and giving a small talk. And everybody was listening to every word I was saying. And suddenly half my brain said, oh, my God, that woman told me that in 1983. Oh, wow. But the weird thing, Roberta, the weird thing I cannot explain, mediums must do this all the time. As I was still talking lucidly and sensibly to the people, my other bit of my brain is saying to this woman, her name was Eve, I thought, oh, I, I do apologize, you were right. And it was this split brain that got me. I could do two things at once. I was talking yeah. to the people, and yet, and I mean, there's no way it was a self-fulfilling pro prophecy. There's no way I was intending to do that. And it just suddenly struck me, oh, my God, that's what that woman told me in 1983. And she said, I will not be here to see it, my dear. I, I only wish I could be. And that was kind of my first introduction and then wow. and then I can't I can't remember wow. much about the rest of the message but that's certainly a very good first reading to ever get that you're not expecting and from then no. on well of course the rest is history and then a uh, I did investigate myself and then I met well we were Archie Roy and I were designed to, to bump into each other and the rest is the rest is you know it's history uh, we could not have done it on their own. It was only because two of us were working together that um, we managed to do these three papers and all the research. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. But that's the kind of thing that happens in this field. Oh, I mean, absolutely. This is being orchestrated way above our pay grade because this absolutely. kind of this is supposed to be happening now all over the world. The news I I mean we've been told that it's it's rather urgent 
for the oh, world yes. to come to oh, understand yes. what's going mm-hmm. on rather quickly mm-hmm. because the vibration of the planet has fallen so low that we are um, in danger of, frankly, destroying the planet. And so um, they're trying as rapidly as they can to raise the vibration above the, the danger zone. And okay. so many people like you, like me, like Craig, like Archie, are working together to raise the vibration as quickly as possible. And that's why we're all working together to do this. And um, ho- ho- Hopefully it's working and we'll get all these pockets of, I call them pockets of light and energy throughout the whole world. And yeah. I think there are a lot but, and it's a mat, it's like a tug of war. It's like the good positive energy at one side and the negativity, mostly of politicians, I have to say, at the other. And, you know, oh my goodness. You said the wanting... P word. <laughs> Sorry? The P word, yeah, yeah. The dreaded yeah. politician word. Oh, yes. No, it's, 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 it's negativity of all kinds. Yeah, absolutely. There are many kinds of negative, low vibration energy that, that we are working against. And the, other, the key yeah. is helping yeah. as many people as possible understand there yeah. is no death. Once, I once try to do that, yeah. Really yeah. Get that they're eternal. It's impossible to die. Once enough Absolutely. people get that, they raise the vibrations of everybody else. It is. It is. I was going to say before we have to, to close it, the other thing that um, has amazed me in more recent years is we, you and I, we know, we know consciousness survives and we know the evidence through mediumship and near death experiences and all of that. We know all of that, even po- some poltergeist activity, not all. There are so many ways of looking at these things, but quite recently, quite a few things have happened to me, which are different. And you wonder how the heck did that happen? And if, if I've got time, I'll tell you my most recent one, which I know happened, and even I have trouble believing it, if that's all right. No, go ahead, say it, talk about it. We we have a little bit well, of time left. Yeah, well, my husband, he kind of knows about these things, but he's not really particularly interested. This is my second husband. We've been married now for 12 years, but we don't really talk much about these things. And you may well. You probably heard of the Scottish medium Gordon Smith, who's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I've seen Gordon in trance, and it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, and he went into trance once in my house. Uh, he didn't expect to go into trance, but what came through was just absolutely unbelievable. It's in the third book, actually, uh, and it's just I, I just couldn't believe it. Just spellbinding. Anyway, that was okay. So in this summer, we had a very nice summer. And uh, one of the days uh, I'd come in, well, maybe about four o'clock and we had the long nights. And I said to uh, to my husband, it's such a nice night. Why don't we just go a short run in the car somewhere? So we went out to a place that was fairly nearby, you know, overlooking the water. But for some reason, the whole place was was closed. So I have to tell you this bit because it's, it's a lead up to later. So we went out not knowing where we were going, couldn't get to the first place. And I said, well, why don't we just go down to Helensborough, uh, which is a, a nice seaside place further down. I didn't really want to go, but we went down to Helensborough. Lovely night, bought ice cream cones and all of that sort of thing. And my husband said to me, you've got a friend that lives here. I said, yes, I do. I've got three friends that live here. He meant, I meant the one that's a medium. And I said, oh, yeah, Gordon. Uh-huh. So I phoned Gordon and I said, hi, Gordon. And he went, hi, Trisha. And I said, we're in Helensborough. He said, oh. 
come along to the house. I'm cutting this very short. So the point is, Ian and I didn't know we were going to visit Gordon Smith at all. So we got to Gordon. We're chatting away. It was a lovely night. We're having it in the garden. And then we decided to go inside and have a cup of tea. Now, Gordon's doing a bit of painting at the moment, artwork he hasn't done before. And I happened to say to him, how's your artwork doing? So he said, come through and I'll show you. So we went through to another room, leaving my husband in the kitchen. And we went through and Gordon showed me various things, which didn't mean a lot to me, different Scottish scenes and things. And that was fine. So then I said to Gordon, I was asked to go to the bathroom and I was in the bathroom, I disappeared. And uh, I came through to the to the kitchen where Ian was. And Gordon was saying to Ian, he was showing him a picture. And he said, you must know where this place is. And Ian was able to say, yes, that's such and such a name on the Isle of Skye. And Ian could tell you all about this picture that Gordon had just shown him. And he said, my first wife and I got engaged here. And we walked up the hill, et cetera, et cetera. And he, he gave the name of it, which meant nothing to me at all. So that was fine. And that was fine. Then Gordon disappeared and he came back again and he gave in the picture again. And he said to him, turn over the back of the picture. And on the back of the picture was a message from a husband from his wife with the correct name and personal details from his wife to Ian written on the back of this picture. And that absolutely blew me away because there was no way that Gordon would have known what Ian's first wife was, where the place was, that Ian would know that. And that just totally blew me away. I, I, and I still didn't believe it for a while, but that's what happened. Absolutely true. Now, how can the spirit world do that? I don't know. Oh my word! <laughs> oh, the picture's hanging. Picture's hanging in our lounge lounge at the moment. It's a very nice picture, but it still means nothing to me. But always, always a skeptic. Uh, Ian's son lives in a different place in Ayrshire, so we took he took the picture down to the son who are not interested in any of this, and he said to, to his son, "Where is that picture?" Of and the son was able to say that the correct name, so that was verification for me that that was indeed the name of the place. And the more I try to p- pull this story apart, the more I know it happened exactly how it happened. And yeah. I was looking, I was looking at Gordon across the table, holding my hands up, more or less saying, "What's going on here?" And Gordon just smiled. And uh, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I was stunned. I'm still stunned by the picture. So that was my most recent thing that that happened that couldn't possibly happen, but it did. Yeah, well, amazing things happen all the time. Absolutely. And that's all part. Spirit gets involved in our lives all the time. And that's part of the the continuing consciousness. I, I, I might be wrong here, but I think that the people over there are actually coming down more to tell us different things because, as you say, the time is getting short and the vibration on this on this earth. And I think some of them are coming down to push us all on to even spread the word more that death is certainly not the end. And I'm on another lovely website where people have have it's not helping parents heal. It's one. It's called Proof of the Afterlife, and a lot of people have lost people recently have died, and they're looking for help. And hopefully, we're able to give them that reassurance. And so many people have been helped. We're all helping each other with that because if you think your loved ones died and 
that's it. It must be horrendous thinking yes. that your yes. heart is broken forever. Yes, um, it's terrible. And and um, the statistics are, are are horrifying. I mean, way more than 50% of the people in the world really believe that death is the end. Still. I yes. know. Well, they're going to find out they're wrong, aren't they? <laughs> But but the problem is that um, that we're, we're told very reliably that that more than half of people who die, even at a planned exit point, go off track for a time and have to be rescued, and that and it's primarily because they they don't know what happens. That you know they they don't. I mean, just and again, I'll say this to everyone listening: there is a plan. All you have to do is follow the plan and you're fine. And and uh, just go with your, your deathbed visitors. Don't try to comfort the people at your bedside because all you'll do is end up being lost for a time because it lowers yep. your vibration when you try to mm-hmm. do that. Right. Um, no, there are, there are people who go, the Roman Catholics, they call it, they call it purgatory, that in between when you haven't quite moved over. There are now... Nobody panic because most people go over to the other side. No problem at all. The majority, they see the people coming to take them over when it's their time to go. And even Dr. Peter Fennick, who is a clinician, he, he has ha- he's had to write books about deathbed visions and how the people die and what they say and what the other people say. And it is a beautiful experience that's for ninety nine percent of the population. It will be a fantastic the problem, Tricia. It turns out that's not true. I mean, I that's what I believed as well. But we're told now by people not in bodies who know what's going on. They're saying because so many people don't know what happens, they they will try to comfort the people around the bedside, lower their vibrations. They'll go off track. More than half of people nowadays, now today, go off track just because they don't know what's going on. So, yeah, certainly some people are lost for what? There's there's three ways they can get stuck. They can get stuck because they don't know they're dead. That happens. They can get stuck. They they can get they can get stuck because they look down towards us, as you're saying, instead of up towards the light. I I discuss that in mm, book. I think I don't know if it was book two or three about the airmen that were stuck for thirty years because they didn't really know they were dead, and yeah. a, me- a medium had to talk them through, you know, literally to go towards the light. A lot of people who die in wars, they 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 don't know what happened. Yeah, exactly. On uh, contrary wise, and these things are never simple. Some people who are blown up in, in wars, etc., uh, they they immediately. They know where they are and they can be seen as a crisis apparition and talk to somebody in their own home, even although they're miles and miles and miles away. This is what right. I'm saying. We don't really under, there's, there's different ways and you can hold yourself down, not going up, as you're saying again, for it could be through greed, jealousy. You just don't know. But what I'm trying to say to comfort the people that are listening, as long as you just you know, go along with your flow go as you're saying. Go with your visitors and you'll be fine. Yeah, but absolutely. Some, Definitely. some people, for various reasons, um, for, uh, people around the deathbed are mourning, they're upset, and, and, you know, you feel great. And so then you try to comfort the people around the deathbed. You lower your vibration. You stop being able to perceive your deathbed visitors. You can get stuck there. 
And so yeah. there's a, a rescue process that has to go on then. And that can take a while. Some people so, are, are ashamed. Um, um, one of our, our frequent um, guests is, is, a, is a priest who does rescue work. And, yeah, and yeah. He, he, he's a, he, it's a lively process he yeah. has to go through. He, he's, <laughs> oh, my goodness. But um, Mikey Morgan, who is a six-level being, who's another of our regular, um, regular guests, he, he speaks through his mother, Carol, um, he ta- he, we, we've asked him this question, how many people get stuck? And he says at the moment, it's, it's more than 50% of people are getting stuck just because for all these reasons. And it shocks me. I can't believe it. But if that's the case, then we've got to tell people, make sure you go with your deathbed visitors, no matter what's well, going on well, in the room. We, we, we can come into another statistic here. Why do you think so many people wait till their relatives leave the room to go to the toilet before yes, they die? Yes, that's exactly right. And people they, say, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't there at their deathbed. And I always quote the statistic. It's, it's very high that the number of people who die without anyone in the room don't feel sorry for them because they can go because you're not sobbing at the side of the bed and holding them back. Even the medium, the medium Albert Best, he was an Irish medium, and they, actually Gordon Smith and a couple of friends were with Albert on his deathbed, and he'd been lying quietly for about oh, a week, not moving or speaking, and suddenly he sat up bright and looked at them and he said, what are you lot doing here? Don't Don't hold me back. And they went, we're not trying to hold you back, Albert. And Albert laid that- down and went to the spirit world right away. No, pe- people at your bedside can they hold you back. to die without people there, exactly. Abs- they- absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. That's, a, that's and- an important point, very important point. Very they, important they would point. Rather, it's a private thing to do, to die. Yes. Yeah. They, they only I- want their, their deathbed visitors there. Exactly right. And that's one of the reasons why, because it's it's very distracting to have people crying around the bed. Absolutely. What can be useful, and I say can be, if you get people, I knew a woman that ran uh, at home, you know, for the elderly, and she understood this. And when someone was dying, of course, this is the, the, the nurse would be a stranger to the person and the person was about to die. She would hold her hand and say nothing. They would keep the curtains open and she would just sit quietly, maybe stroke the person's hand and tell them it was all right to go. And I've done that myself just to say, it's all right. You can go now. And that actually does help as well. If you give them permission to go, it definitely helps. I can vouch for that. Very excellent point. Thanks for saying that. That's a very, very good point, my dear. So one of your questions was, what should our motto for living be? Good question. Well, the motto is basically what be kind. Literally, it sounds pathetic. Be kind to everyone. You know, you can, if you can't do anything at all, you can be kind. Even if you don't like the person, you don't need to be, un, don't be unkind to someone with words because it's not a good thing to do. And it, it hurts your own soul as well. If you feel you can't forgive someone, forgive them, because that only, that only eats yourself, your own soul. Forgive someone, even if it's an awful thing, you have to forgive them for your own sake. For your own and, sake. Yes. yes. And uh, also, try, I mean, we can't love in the 
everybody in the sense of love, but you can have a spiritual love for everyone and just wish the best. I mean, I, when I see a coffin passing, I always say in my mind, you know, bless your friend, you know, go towards the light. I always say that. And if I see a poor person in the streets, even if you give them money or not, I just mentally say, bless your friend. I hope you find your way towards the light. And if we all did that, the world would be so much better instead of criticizing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. Of course, as as I as Craig as I keep telling you everyone, um our website, which is you know finally active, is seekreality.com. It's the definitive website in the world to teach you everything you need to know to get past the fear of death. And um, if you really want to free yourself from the fear of death, just go there and learn it all. Um, I'm very excited about that website because we put everything that we know into it. Sounds fantastic. uh, Yes. Uh, Quite a lot of these podcasts, uh, people ask questions. People have actually said, I am terrified of death. Can anyone here help me? And of course, the people on it, we, we do our best to, you know, to encourage them along. And, but they have to sort of seek reality in themselves. They have to go and actually, not necessarily your book or my book, but they have to go and read a sensible book about it and see the evidence that's there. I get excited about the evidence because that's the kind of mind I have. I'm not a yes. medium, I'm not, I'm not an artist. I like facts, figures, I like maths, I like all of that, things that make sense. And uh, as I said, 40 years ago, I would never have thought that I would be here talking about that, but I know it's true. And the other thing is always trust your intuition and your inner self more than your brain. Your inner self knows much more than you do. Now, what what is your website? Is it still Trisha Robertson at Weebly? Yeah, it's a, I'm trying to, is it Trisha.Robertson? No, a, Trisha, I think it's TrishaRobertson.Weebly.co.uk. Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's a lot of information there too. There's no, there's and, no UK in there. Is it, is it the same one it was? Yeah, it should be UK. It should be Trisha, Rob, Trisha Robertson. No, it's TrishaRobertson.Weebly.com. You're right. Yes. Right, I haven't. Yeah, that's that's right. You can okay. see, but I shall have a look at your seek reality. If I just Google seek reality, I'll, it'll come up. So just seekreality.com. That's the website. I shall look at it. Sounds amazing. And uh, I know Craig, of course. And uh, hopefully you and I will continue to speak common sense and uh, keep keep loving what we can when we can. Uh, the thing about this is is the, the what I have found is the only way to know the truth is the preponderance of the evidence, as we lawyers say. Um, I I'm a skeptic. You're a skeptic. Everybody who really um, is is a student of of this is Craig is a, a really big skeptic. Um, the only thing that that overcomes our skepticism is is an, an incredible amount of evidence, and the evidence really is overwhelming. You can challenge it. Um, and I, we welcome people to challenge it. And SeekReality.com has all the evidence. And we, we just, um, it's, it's quite exciting and it's quite, it's quite a lot of fun. Uh, he and I alternate, alternate on Mondays. We entertain, um, questions and I love doing that and, and talking with people, um, on, on that website. It's just, we're, it's just getting started and it's very exciting. And because the, um, 
the 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 religion Christianity totally ignores the teachings of Jesus. We're starting a companion website called teachingsbyjesus.com, which will be live in a few months. And uh, I'm going to, that's sort of going to be my baby because I've spent the past, um, oh, actually since I was 12 years old studying the teachings of Jesus and even that made that my college major. So uh, I, I, it's what, what's great about our lives, Tricia, is you never outgrow what you can learn in these fields. It's absolutely. It's it's, it's it's just it's wonderful to it keeps you so young to yes. have to be in in a field where you can never ever stop learning. The the more you know, the more questions there are. This is the thing. That's what's great. That's right. That's what's so great about as I said as I said earlier on, never trust anyone that says they know everything because they don't. They only know a small Ooh. fraction of what's happening. Yes. And and what I love about this, as I said, is I find that my two fields of great interest fit together. And that's what that's what I really love about it. We're quite wonderful. Oh my dear. Yeah, great. There, so so, so is there anything that we, as we as we come to the end of our time, is there anything more that you would really like to, to people to know? You know, as you get older, uh, as as you are yourself, you become your attitude becomes different to things. But really, my greatest happiness is when someone understands what I've said or something and they, they really, and it's really helped them. You, and you'll be the same. There are certain people that come on and they're, they're really very sad and they just don't know what to do. And you just manage to get that thing to say to them that changes their outlook in life. And they, they lose the sadness and realize the excitement of survival and they realize their loved ones, even their pets. Just, just yesterday, one of my good friends that lives in a different place, a little dog who was fine died of a heart attack and she was heartbroken and she, she's not really into this, but even the one that doesn't believe in it, when it comes to death, they actually do believe it. And I said, yes. just, just keep looking for the signs. You will get a sign because she's, she's got another dog. I said, if you don't see it, the other dog will definitely see it. You know, life, life is continuous, especially for a well loved animal. And my, my last line would be love never dies. Whether it's love, whether it's love for an animal, a person, it might be someone you don't even, you might love somebody that doesn't even know you. That love never dies. It's as fresh as it was the day you realized you loved that person or animal. And that is absolutely true. I've come to understand that now. No, you're right. So perfectly said. Yes. Big hug, my dear, across the pond. Hug Hug to everyone listening. Thank you so much. And again, everyone, we've come to the end of our time. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm so happy you could be with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you really get what that means, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be Joyce Stewart, and she'll be with us for the eighth time. Joyce is an adventurous and remarkably free-ranging spiritual teacher and, and researcher, and I don't always agree with her conclusions, and especially with regard to Jesus, but I've come to love and respect her anyway. We just don't talk about the master. 
Next week, we'll be talking about endorphins, and those are the body's pleasure-producing chemicals in the brain. Um, as you can see, we, we get it, Joyce gets into a lot, a lot of things, and I enjoy hearing what she says to say about whatever. Please be sure to join us next week. And today, of course, our guest all the way from Great Britain has been Trisha J. Robertson. Like Craig and me, Trisha spent decades studying death in the afterlife, and the results in her case were Things You Can Do When You're Dead. That's her first book. More Things You Can Do When You're Dead, second book. And it's life and death, but not as you know it, from the unbelievable to the bizarre. This has been her fourth Seek Reality appearance, but I won't be her last. And... Even though she says no more books, I think she does have maybe one or two more in her. Um, Trisha really knows her stuff, and she's wise as well, as you can see. So she and I and a lot of other people are joining together now, I think, much more closely to help the world free itself forever from the fear of death for the sake of a freer and a happier world. As you know, I have written a number of books including Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and The Fun of Jesus, of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's The Fun of Meeting Jesus, and you can order all these books through bookstores on Amazon, and most of the adult books are available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about anything at all, you can always contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I answer all my emails, but you can only get it if you give me, and if you're sure to make sure you've given me your correct email address. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available wherever podcasts are found, and many people just just listen each week through the Seek Reality app that you can find for free wherever free apps are found or in the iTunes app store. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week until we talk again in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you, most of all in this universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything. Everything.